Welcome to this edition of Awaken the Wonder. This message is hot off the press for you. My friends, don't follow the crowd in this season. Hey everyone, welcome to Awaken the Wonder podcast with me, your host, Evangelist Caleb Wampler of Kingdom Encounters International. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people come to salvation in Jesus in countries hostile to the gospel, witnessed impossible miracles, and regularly experienced God's wonder. This show is an outflow of my life in ministry in the nations. Tune in weekly to hear miracle testimonies and encouraging stories from the fields of harvest from both me and my global ministry network. As we journey ahead, may you hunger for God as never before and awaken the wonder of your relationship with Jesus. Hey, one more thing before we start today's podcast. The Awaken the Wonder Retreat is coming up in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. October 27th is the final day of early registration. Be sure to go on there before the price raises up another $100. Join me in Moravian Falls for a four-day encounter weekend prayer retreat. I know it's going to be a blessing to you coming this January 28th through 31st. Go to kingdomencounters.us slash retreat and you can get all your information there. I hope to see you there. But I I felt very specific that he wanted me to talk to you guys about an audience of one, an audience of one. And many times in our culture and and in our present day, we're always trying to increase the, the size of the crowd. We're always trying to increase and get more followers on social media. We're trying to increase and get more capacity. Why? Because we want to reach more people. We're doing the same thing. But I felt specifically to plant a seed into some hearts today and even those online that may be watching this uh, to, to bring it back to an audience of one. You see, in, this, uh, in a few of these passages, there's some stories that I find absolutely fascinating. If you open to the book of Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to read any specific verses, but if you're taking notes, you can just go ahead and mark it down. Uh, the very first Christian gathering that ever takes place comes out of the upper room. We know Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. He goes into the heavens. It's a miracle. They literally see him like fly and go to heaven. I mean, how's that for a way to start your faith? And then he says, don't go tell anybody yet. Go hide in a room until, until the Holy Spirit comes. So, so they go hide in a room and they're just kind of like, well, what should we do? Well, he said we should like remember him. So let's maybe try some communion. Maybe let's just pray. He taught us how to pray. So our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in the heavens. Give us, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. Amen. Now what? He just said to wait. Uh, okay, it's been a day. It's been two days. It's been three days. It's been four days. How long do we wait? Wait. They just continue to wait. They just continue to wait. They just continue to wait. And eventually, this amazing thing happens where the Holy Spirit literally comes out of heaven, baptizes them and the, with the Holy Spirit and fire. They have tongues, uh, the new t- tongues of all the different languages in their area come down from heavenly languages. And then they have fire come upon their head. And it's just like the, the burning bush with Moses. And this fire is literally upon them. I mean, just a beautiful, amazing moment. And all of a sudden, they're just like, wow, we have power. They could just feel it surging through their bones. And they're like, what do we do? And so they walk out of this room And 
Peter steps up and does the very first Christian message in the history of Christianity now uh, that we go back to. Uh, Jesus had set up Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against him. So he stands up and he delivers this message and begins preaching and people are doing all kinds of things. And what I want to focus on is the reaction of the crowd for just a moment. Because when you care about an audience of one, then you really only care about one thing, right? And what is that? It's about what he thinks. It's about what he says. It's about what he's doing. If Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing or, or, or spoke what he heard the Father saying, then shouldn't we also be doing the same thing? But so often we gather a crowd all around us and... And, and we, we get them to say what our ears want to hear. Uh, scripture says what our itching ears, uh, itching ears want to hear. We build up people that will tickle our ears because it sounds good and feels good. But Peter goes up, and this is the response of the crowd. The first reaction, you can read it in Acts two fourteen to 41. The first thing is that the crowd is perplexed. They're a little bit confused. And you may ask, well, why were they perplexed? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes perplexed people are just perplexed. Have you ever met anybody that's perplexed? They're perplexed about everything, right? They're perplexed about how they should drink their coffee, how they should drink their tea, how they should eat their breakfast. They're perplexed about their diet plan. They're perplexed about their travel plans. They're perplexed about uh, which, which color they should decorate with. And they're perplexed about everything in life. And can I tell you that when you decide to do something, people are going to be perplexed sometimes, just like it was in Peter's very first message. No matter what you do, people are going to be perplexed. And, and, and if you just, well, just let that be, that they're going to be perplexed. Sure, if somebody wants to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, great, walk them through it. But people are going to respond with being perplexed sometimes. Number two, there was another group of people, and they begin to mock, Right? What does it say? Oh, you're drunk this early in the morning. And Peter says, oh, we're not drunk as you suppose. They begin to mock him. They begin to mock him. They begin to mock him. And can I tell you that mockers are going to mock. People are going to mock you just for doing life with what you do. I, I, uh, I, I was talking to my friend Joshua the other day and I said, Josh, I feel like if you just put it on to, if you just put the word cheese on a Facebook post, that people would, it would go viral. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you could say cheese. And one person would say pepper jack. And another person would say cheddar. And another person could say, how could you post something so stupid? Somebody else could say, why did you post cheese? Somebody could say, why, are you, why aren't you being serious about the times that we're living in? And somebody, <laughs> because no matter what you do, people are going to mock what it is that you're deciding to do or say. How much more so with the things of God? How much more so when you try to comprehend something spiritual with our foolish human minds? My friends, people are going to mock anything that you do. This was their reaction. And then there was a third set in this passage with Peter in the very first Christian uh, message that had ever been spoken, and it's that people believed. The Bible says that day that 3,000 people believed. That's a pretty good, pretty good first day at the office, right? Anybody? I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever seen 3,000 people come to Christ in one day? 
maybe one, maybe none, I don't know. I know I have personally just because we do massive crusades around the world, but if it weren't for that, I, I wouldn't be raising my hand either. That, that's a pretty good first day at the office. But that crowd of thousands was trimmed to just 3,000 people that day because people were perplexed about the message. People couldn't understand because it was foolishness to them. They couldn't understand these unschooled and ordinary men had been with Jesus, but they didn't have any education like everybody else. They were a little bit different. And God used them to change the world. We, 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 we preach this message today because God used those men. Let me uh, uh, just tell a, a different story here. Um, and this is the story of Gideon. You can read it in Judges chapter 6, verse 7, or ver- chapter 6 and 7. Um, but in this passage, there's a story of Gideon where in, in chapter 6, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, which is pretty cool in its own right. He goes through this series of, um, of signs to prove that God is speaking to them. And Gideon, the youngest of his tribe and the least of the clan and the worst one, gets selected by God to lead a revolution in their area. Gideon rises up, and in chapter 7, they, they walk out, and Gideon's going to lead this army to stand against the Midianites. He has 32,000 troops, and the Bible says they were outnumbered by four to one. How many of you don't uh, want Gideon's job that day? Anybody? Yeah, (laughs) probably not. I've never led a battle. I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I'm the worst. I'm the this. I'm the that. And, And God raises Gideon up in that moment And what does Gideon do? Gideon says, well, we need to get more people. And God says, nope, (laughs) you need to get rid of people. He's like, are you kidding me? This is the worst plan ever, God. Do you remember? They don't even know who I am, and I've never even really done battles before, and I don't know anything. I'm the least, I'm the worst. And now you're asking me to lead them. They're laughing at me. And now you tell me to get less people when we're outnumbered by four to one. What does he do? He says, anybody who's afraid right now, go ahead and go home. Do you know what happens? The Bible says that 22,000 people left that day. They had just under 10,000 troops remaining. They were outnumbered four to one, and now they're outnumbered like 12 to one or 13 to one or something like this. Now they're really in good shape for the battle, right? Anybody? Uh, that's not that's that's not a good plan, God. But I don't know about you, but if there's people in your life that are afraid, and there's people that are in your life that are speaking fear to you, that are surrounding you with fear, that are surrounding you with all this negative fear, 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 fear. I don't know about you, but I would kind of want to put the mute button on all that. Anybody? Mute, 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 mute. Because what I care about right now and in this time and what I feel the Lord has imparted today for you guys is maybe you should say the same thing too. (laughs) To mute all of the outside voices, to hear what? To hear the audience of one and what he has to say. You see, with Peter that day, the crowd was reduced to the 3,000 that believed. And here we have with Gideon, the crowd is being reduced down to a, to a moment here where now there's 10,000 less people. And then God says, you still have too many Gideon. What? He sends them 
to the river for a test. They all run over to the river in Judges 7. You can read the story. And uh, uh, many of the men go down and they begin to, they throw their shields and throw their swords aside and they get down and they begin scooping water out of the brook to take a drink because they were thirsty. You guys have probably heard this story. Well, um, how many of you know that that's probably a very careless thing to do in battle, right? (laughs) You probably don't want people around you who are careless, right? (laughs) And so God trims it again. He separates them from the people that had scooped it out uh, like this and the people that drink it another way. And in this moment, he sends 9,700 more people home, or or, or around 9,000 people home to where there's only 300 people left. Only 300 left. That's crazy, right? God, what are you doing? He limited the crowd again to just a few people that really believed that they could do something, that really were willing to put everything on the line to follow what it was that God was saying through a least unlikely chosen hero that he was raising up. I don't know about you today, but God is reducing things down to an audience of one. He's saying, are you willing to trust me even though it doesn't look the same as it used to? I can guarantee you that day, and I won't read the rest of the story for the sake of time. You can go read Judges 7 and find out what happens. But a very unlikely victory takes place for Gideon. He's accelerated through, uh, through to become the commander of the area and one of the judges. And it all ends up being really good for Gideon. And his family is restored and he's restored. And they bring a great victory to Israel that day. I'm not even talking about that today, though. I'm talking about what it is it that God has asked you to do and what are you doing to, to steward his voice in your life even when others do not believe in what God has called you to do? Then we have another story here that's kind of interesting. If you flip open to John 6, we will read some of the verses here. John chapter 6, uh, we have a story with Jesus here. And in the beginning of John chapter 6, I won't read the story, but Jesus Uh, has the very famous story of the feeding of 5,000 people. We know there was probably 15 or 20,000 people with the women and children from some fish and some loaves from a little boy. He takes it, he breaks it, he feeds the multitude. And you can only imagine what the Pharisees were saying. Oh my goodness, he had 5,000 people today. We need to take this man down as quick as possible, right? Well, this in this passage, Jesus starts to realize that, hey... All these people are following me for the good, right? They all just want a little bit more prosperity in their life, right? They all just want a little bit more blessing in their life, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you go to the countryside and follow a man who's going to feed you? You get to go hear some amazing teaching. They're going to provide all the food and the drinks for you. It's going to be great, right? Why wouldn't you go too? So, so all of a sudden, this following starts to form around Jesus, from all these people that just kind of want to coast on by and get the most popular thing of the day, a good crowd starts to following. In present day, maybe they got a good social media thing going. Maybe they got a good whatever going. Pressure starts to build on him. And what do they say? They start to say, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the one that was chosen. You're going to free us from the Romans, Lord. You're going to free us. They start to try to put pressure on him to speak a message that they wanted to hear, to tickle their ears. 
that yes, I'm the Messiah you've been praying for. I'm going to free you from slavery from the Romans. I'm going to free you because in that day, Jews were oppressed by the Roman people. They were in bondage and uh, slavery and living in Rome, uh, afraid and heightened and political tension was crazy at the time. And in this moment, Jesus starts to sense that they're not just following him for the kingdom of God teaching and they're starting to follow him because they want a handout. They want a free meal from him, right? And he starts to notice what's going on here. And so he goes, all right, it's time for the bread of life message, okay? (laughs) I am the bread who came down from heaven. I am, uh, verse 35, he who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, I, I don't quite understand what you're saying there, Jesus. I mean, that sounds good. But remember, at this time when he begins to speak these words, he hasn't died on the cross yet. He hasn't technically rose from the dead yet. He hasn't, he, he's just the local prophet in town, the new pastor at the cool church down the street, Pastor Jesus. Man, they're giving out feeding programs over there. They got it going on. Pastor Jesus, you're what's up, right? So he starts to go, okay, let me, let me start to say what's really going on here. I'm the bread of life. Um, uh, verse 37, all that the Father gives me, come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Okay, so they're like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. He's not going to drive anybody away. Uh, Verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and will be raised up with him in the last day. So they're like, okay, so who are you saying you are then? You know, they're starting to kind of listen a little bit more. And then he says, I tell you the truth, verse 47, that anyone who believes has everlasting life. I'm the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never go hungry again. Verse 53, I tell you the truth. This is where it gets crazy. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. You can imagine the look on people's faces. You're saying you want me to eat you? Are you kidding me, Jesus? You're crazy. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the loving father sent me to live and because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. So, Now you can imagine what's going on here. They're going, okay, so now this guy's not just saying he wants to bless me and keep me and cause his face to shine on me and be gracious to me. and and, 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 uh, You know the song. The Lord bless you and keep you. I'm all about that life too. But my friends, there's another side to Jesus too, and it's called the sufferings part too. (laughs) It's called the audience of one part. It's called the, will you eat my flesh and drink my blood? The Bible says that his disciples, now I'm not talking about the 12 here, he had a following of hundreds of people and thousands that were getting, beginning to come along for the ride, the disciples, you know. And it says on hearing this, verse 60, his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? You see, we like have commentaries now and we have some stuff going on. We can kind of look at it and see what 
people say on different sides of the debate on, well, does it really turn to real food and drink? And is it really blood and communion and all this stuff? Back then, they just heard a man who was this new prophet in town said, come eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were like, that's hard teaching. Who can accept it, Jesus? I mean, I know you're giving us free food and stuff, but like, I don't know about that one. You kind of crazy. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, verse 61, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? (laughs) What if you see the man ascend to where he was before? Um, Here we got in, in, in verse, he went on to say in verse 66, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus, I thought you were trying to like get everybody to heaven right now too, right? Like, don't you want to like build your kingdom? And they were following him because they were wanting to be free from the Romans. And he started to fine tune it and say, who wants to follow me because of the kingdom? Jesus drives them away and it says that they no longer followed him. In verse 67 Jesus then looks at the 12 and he says, do you not want to leave too? (laughs) Now he's testing his inner circle, right? Don't you want to leave too? And then Peter says the famous words, verse 68, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go, right? And then as if that wasn't enough, that's a good answer, right? Because Peter perceived correctly Then Jesus says this as if trying to instigate again. Have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. (laughs) This isn't like nice shepherd Jesus sitting with the lamb or something, right? He's like, one of you are a devil. And then he like mic drop and walks away. (laughs) I don't know about you. But Jesus was not trying to just build a big social media following right now. He was trying to establish the truth of God's kingdom, that you have to come to him to get life. You don't get it from anywhere else. You don't get it from nice little social media tidbits. You don't just get it from whatever. You have to crucify yourself on your cross daily. Pick it up and follow him wherever you go. My friends, this is the people that Jesus is looking for in this season. He's actually pruning the crowd right now. And he's trying to get it back to the core. That's actually what's going on. When you look around and you see one person next to you and you're like, oh, that's one person in church today. This is so terrible for the whatever. No, he's saying, I'm trying to to make it smaller right now because I want to find where my true disciples are. I want to find where my core is. And then he's going to offend you a little bit. He He says, do I offend you? Does Jesus offend you? My friend, he's trying to find the offense in your heart today, the offense in this generation, the offense at where were you? Where are you? You weren't there when this happened and my family member was sick and when this person was going on and this car accident happened and this health issue and COVID-19, aren't you the God of healing? What about the political turmoil win? Where are you, God? Don't you see the riots? Don't you see the social injustice? Where are you, God? What about the abortion, Lord? Where are you, God? What about the babies? What about the... And we all start to say, God, uh, free us from the Roman oppression, Lord. Free us from the Romans, Lord. 
And he's like, no, I'm doing a work inside of you that cannot be shaken. My friends, this is what Jesus is looking for in this season. And I felt very specifically to say it today, and I don't know who this is for. I don't know, know, know why God brought me in this direction. Again, I've never preached this before, but I feel like the Lord is doing something in this house at this time for this people. Doing what pleases everybody else will lead to nothing. It will lead to emptiness. It will lead to being unfulfilled. But doing what pleases God is what is going to lead you to life. Because your life is about an audience of one, my friends. There's always going to be hecklers, naysayers, critics, mockers, people that are perplexed by your life. There's always going to be people following you for a handout. There's always going to be people following you because you gave them the free food for the day. There's always going to be people that are are following you because they're afraid and they're just trying to attach to something and they want to coast off of somebody who doesn't seem as afraid as they are. There's always going to be people that are careless around you. And the Lord is pruning all that right now. He's getting it all shaken out right now because he's trying to, to have you not find your value from humanity but from him, from a kingdom that is not going to be shaken. My friends, if you find value in everything else, then you will be valueless. The value of your life comes not from humanity and what everybody says. It comes from the audience of one. My friends, if you care about everybody's opinions all the time, and that's what motivates you in life, then my friends, you're not going to live a fulfilled life with Jesus. Obedience is the byproduct of somebody who has counted the cost above all else to follow Jesus. What is it that God is asking you to do? I have a feeling today in this world that we're living in that many are trying to find what the latest celebrity ministry said and the famous, the, the most famous person recently said and how do we do this and how do we do that? How about you get on your knees in your bedroom and, and carve out some carpet in the, in, the, in, the, in the garbage because your knees are burying there because you're praying every day. How about the angels in heaven know, oh, when I go to this house, I get fresh assignments for the kingdom because they are praying in the spirit in that house because they are raising up uh, armies against hell because they're sending angels out. They're sending people out in the spirit right now because they are full of God's presence. I tell you what, we need a people in this day and age that when God looks at us and Jesus says, do I offend you? We say, please, Lord, see if there's any wicked way within me. I repent of my sins. I want your voice. You matter above all else today. My friends, when he tries to prune everyone, the, everybody out of our lives and everything out of our lives, can he look at you and prune you? Do you say, I embrace it, Lord, whatever you want, even if it hurts, even if it's uncomfortable. I want to know what you have to say today. Thank you for listening to Awaken the Wonder. If you enjoyed today's show and want more ministry like this, please visit kingdomencounters.us where you can find weekly blogs in my latest book, Hunger. Be sure to subscribe and follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at the tag Evangelist Caleb Wampler. If the Lord leads you to partner with us in the nations in prayer and giving, visit kingdomencounters.us. I'll see you next time.